0: Good morning, Westside Family Church. It is so great to see you here at Lenexa in the North Sanctuary, the South Sanctuary, our Horizons Area community, which is in the East Venue. Uh, also, a shout out to Speedway and those of you watching online. Uh, I want to uh, begin before we dive into the message on three um, important things that are going on with our Unshakable Initiative. Uh, Number one, uh, we have care communities, uh, care groups that are coming up uh, this fall, and this is an opportunity for you or someone you know to get involved in a care community that will help you at your point of pain and help you grow and become more like Christ, and a particular interest that we have, one uh, for teens uh, related to uh, their mental health, particularly in the area of depression and anxiety, which is at epidemic levels right now, and there's also a new one coming up called Parenting. Families connecting through art. So uh, September 10th, no, September, though this fall they start, and you want to check that out at westsidefamily.church care groups uh, to get connected to that. The second thing is, uh, we are starting another area community. We have the Horizon Elementary School, a group of people that live that are that are incubating over in the East venue, and they're getting ready to officially launch. Uh, but we are getting ready to start our fifth area community as a part of our unshakable initiative, and we're now moving into the Shawnee Olathe area. Super excited to see this large congregation come into a smaller group of people where you can belong and be the hands and feet of Jesus to each other, as well as to the people around you, and even around the world. So uh, be ready, because our next area community is going to be Manchester Park. Those of you who live in the Manchester Park area, on September 10th, you'll meet for four Sundays in the East Venue to experience the worship together, as well as an opportunity to meet each other, as well as your new area community shepherd. So that's pretty exciting, coming up September the 10th. And finally, as a part of our unshakable initiative, we are in a series right now called The Battle for Our Kids. Anybody care about our kids? Yeah, so we're in the battle for our kids, opening up the Word of God, not not uh, not you know holding anything back in this series. Uh, but a part of that initiative is a 21-day uh, experience of praying and fasting. If you were here last week, we gave you the opportunity to do a one-day commitment uh, to praying and fasting for your kids and our kids uh, at Westside, a one-week commitment, and finally a 21-day commitment, which Roseanne and I are up for. If you missed that in the uh, commons area after the service, you'll find these cards, and you can sort of register what you're doing to pray for, to fast for uh, your kids and the kids of Westside Family Church. And one of the things you can sign up for is this 21-day prayer emphasis, and today on August the 20th, our prayer is for our kids to find godly friends. And so before we dive into our message today, I'd like to offer up a prayer In that regard, Heavenly Father, we come to you today on behalf of our children, which you have so graciously given us. And right now, Father, we pray that our children would be surrounded by godly friends. In addition to us as parents uh, and adults, uh, we pray that they would uh, be received into a community of godly friends who might lead them into paths of righteousness Would you do that for us today, Lord? And will our kids be wise enough to choose that kind of community? We pray this in the name of Jesus. And all of God's people who agreed with that prayer said, So I was born as a boy. And it turns out that after all of these years, I'm still a boy. I am. You get where I'm going. You feeling me? Now, I did not grow up in the same environment that boys are growing up in today. When I grew up as a boy, uh, particularly in the summers, we would leave the house in the morning and we would uh, uh, organize games of uh, pickup basketball, uh, sandlot uh, baseball games. Uh, We would build go-karts together with whatever material we could find. Uh, We spent hours learning to do tricks with yo-yos. I actually learned to walk on my hands, which I can do even to this day, but I didn't take enough leave uh, for me to do that for you in front, but trust me, I can. Uh, We used to drive around uh, the neighborhood, ride around the neighborhood on our bikes all day long back in the era, anybody remember banana seats? Yeah, banana seats, and we even had sissy bars. Yeah, I don't know why they call them sissy bars, but that's what they were called. I did play Little League, uh, but it was only in the summer months for about uh, eight weeks. Most of our time was just unstructured play. And I did all of this uh, in the urban core of East Cleveland, Ohio, which is considered a severely underprivileged area and even quite unsafe. However, I personally am believing that where I was raised in the urban core of East Cleveland, Ohio, is far better than being raised in Johnson County today as a boy. I really believe that. Now, last week, JJ threw me under the bus by throwing up a picture of a boy that was not me. I bring up the picture again uh, to remind you, (laughs) that is not me. But the reality is, it's not too far off from the real deal. Here's the real deal, right there, yep. (laughs) You notice I'm not smiling, I was not happy about the photo shoot, and this was the best picture they could find. Now I have the privilege, with Roseanne, we've had the privilege of raising four children, three of whom are boys. And here's a picture of them most recently uh, with our wonderful and beautiful children that God has given to us. And I am also a grandparent. Uh, My daughter has given us two wonderful uh, grandchildren. Uh, Ava is now 14. And Crew, a son, my grandson, is now eight years old. And he is a chip off the old block. Take a look at this picture. There he is right there. (laughs) He actually doesn't wear glasses, he's actually sporting my first pair of glasses I received in the fourth grade. That's what he has there. Here's a picture of us hunting frogs, yes. Hunting frogs, what would we do if we caught one? We have no idea, but we're out in the evening hunting for frogs, and this little video clip is what boys do best, we fight. Oh, (laughs) there it is, yeah. So I am concerned about Crew, and I'm worried about him. Not so much because of Crew, but because of the era by which he has been called to be raised. And specialists are now referring to this era for boys as the boy crisis. Now the question is, is there really a boy crisis? And so over the last number of years, I have been studying this, raised three boys, have a grandson, pastor a large church, and uh, I've come upon two uh, reference materials that I think are going to be seminal for us, particularly if you have boys in your life, whether you're parents or grandparents, and uh, we have referenced them in the Westside app, and uh, I'm going to encourage all of you uh, to read these books, but but since uh, most of us haven't read a book since high school... Uh, and that's even suspect whether you did then, uh, I might want to recommend the audio version for you. The first book is uh, called uh, Boys... Well, i tell you what, let me, let me go back. Oh, yeah, the Boys in Crisis uh, by uh, Leonard Sachs. And, uh, no, Boys in Crisis by Warren Farrell. And uh, Leonard Sachs wrote a book called uh, Boys Adrift. We'll come back to that in a moment. Now... Is there a boy crisis? Well, everybody knows my blood type, right? Be positive, right? Be positive. I do not find it very productive or even delightful to have a negative outlook on life, so I am not being purposefully negative but purposefully truthful that we might wake up to the reality of the crisis of our boys. Amen? So here is 11 factors, truths about our boys. Number one... Boys are declining in a dramatic way in virtually every key metric. Fact. Young men between 25 and 31 are 66% more likely than their female counterparts to be living with their parents. Fact. Between the ages of 15 and 19, boys commit suicide at four times the rate of girls. Fact. Fact. U.S. jail and prison population increased by more than 700% between 1973 and 2013. 93% are males, mostly young males. Fact. Boys are graduating at half the rate as girls. Fact. Girls are not looking for boys who are dropouts. Fact. Fact single women are now buying their own homes at two and a half times the rate of single men. Fact, boys' IQ has dropped 15 points since the 1980s. Fact, boys' physical development and puberty has been disrupted while it has accelerated for girls. Fact, boys today have sperm counts less than half of what their grandfathers had at the same age fact dads to be are almost twice as likely to refer to prefer a daughter to a son leading randolph niece from arizona state university to add this final fact being male is now the single largest demographic factor for early death one researcher has identified the 15 year old boy, as the most vulnerable human being on the planet today. If you look at all of the mass shootings and the school shootings, all of them have come at the hands of young boys and all of them, for whatever reason, white boys. So we ask the question, because we are anchoring our lives and our minds in the truth of God's word here at West Side, what does the Bible say about boys? That's what we're most interested in. Aardvark. Aardvark. Okay, got it. If those of you who are visiting, ask. We're gonna go to the very first page of the Bible, Genesis chapter one and verse 26 the foundation of everything. God says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. You want to help our boys today? Make sure that they are not confused about what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman. Here's what God says to Noah just a few chapters later in Genesis chapter 16 as they are entering in the ark preparing for the flood. God says, But I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your son's wife with you. You are to bring into the ark two of every living creatures, male and female, To keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird and every kind of animal and of every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. The question is why did God put them in the boat, two of every kind, male and female? The answer to keep them alive to keep them alive. How do you perpetuate the human race and every species on earth for that matter? You make sure you have a male and a female in the boat. That's how you do it. A male and female in the boat. You are, according to God's design, you are either a boy or you are a girl. You are a man or you are a woman and consequently, by God's design, we are very different from one another. Recent studies with chimpanzees show that if you give a female chimpanzee a block of wood, she will nurture it like a baby doll. If you give a male chimpanzee a baby doll, he will rip it apart to see what's inside, yeah. (laughs) We are very different, male and female, but we are very complementary toward one another, particularly for the sake of our children, if we are mature enough to go with it. So, to our students, and to our kids, and to our parents, let God's word guide you on what is truth. Keep it simple, and if you have leaders in government, or schools that try to tell you otherwise, reject what they say wholeheartedly, period. Reject it, reject it, reject it. I found a passage of scripture I thought you would be interested in, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. The Apostle Paul encourages men this way. He says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, here it is, act like men. Act like men, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. A few chapters earlier, Paul writes this interesting phrase. He says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away Child I put away the ways of childhood behind me. What's he saying? There is an appropriate time to be a boy, but eventually we need to come alongside of our boys and help them grow up. We need to help them grow up. Our job is to partner with God and the community around us to shape our little boys into men and our little girls into women. Now the phrase Act like men in Be Strong is reminiscent of a phrase we see over and over again in the Old Testament that God would speak into the lives of young men before they went into battle. Of particular note is God speaking it multiple times to the warrior Joshua. I'm interested in the life of King David. He is on his deathbed and he's getting ready to pass the throne to his son Solomon. And he offers up these final words to him in 1 Kings chapter 2, beginning in verse 2. David says to Solomon, I'm about to go the way of all of the earth. So be strong. Here it is. Act like a man. What does it mean to act like a man according to the principles of God's word? Here it is. Observe What the Lord, your God, requires. Walk in obedience to him and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and regulations as written in the laws of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go, and that the Lord may keep his promise to me if your descendants watch how they live and if they walk faithfully before me with all of their heart and soul, you will never fail to have a successor on the throne of Israel. I believe that one of the reasons why we have all this talk today about toxic masculinity and patriarchalism is because men have not been fully trained in the instructions of God of what it means to be a man. What it means to be a man, we are told in scriptures that we need to be strong and courageous, but we need to anchor that in our faith in God and make sure that we are driven by our love for God and love for others above ourselves. Let all that you do be done in love. Can I get an amen? amen? Amen to that, right? Now, let's turn the corner. We've got the biblical foundation. What can we do to help our boys, so I'm gonna put up the two books where I'm getting this research from. The first is the book, Boys Adrift, subtitled The Five Factors Driving the Growing Epidemic of Unmotivated Boys and Underachieving Young Men by Dr. Leonard Sachs, and then the second book, The Boy Crisis, Why Our Boys Are Struggling and What We Can Do About It by Dr. uh, Warren Farrell and Dr. John Gray. I uh, took all of the research and I boiled it down to the top five causes today for why our boys are in this crisis and a few recommendations of what we can do about it. The first one is teaching methods. Teaching methods have helped to create the crisis. Two things come to mind. First of all, kindergarten. Kindergarten used to be a time when boys and girls would explore and they would play. But somewhere along the way, a few high-Q knuckleheads decided to make kindergarten a place where you learn to read by the end of kindergarten. It sounds like a good idea, but it turns out to be a woefully bad idea. Now, Dr. Sachs particularly recommends that both boys and girls don't actually start that kind of school until the age of seven, but particularly for boys, because trying to learn to read as a boy when you're five or six years old is very, very difficult. Girls, on the other hand, have been designed by God, have been designed by God to be able to pull it off better than boys. Now, boys will eventually catch up women, Hopefully, not always, but what happens is that these boys experience failure in kindergarten and that failure early on carries through the rest of their life. The second area related to teaching methods has to do with the subject of competition. Boys need competition, healthy competition, to grow to be and act like men. But somewhere along the way, matter of fact, this actually happened when we were raising our children, uh, somebody decided to take competition out of the experience for boys and for girls. Do you know how many trophies I got as a boy from little to 18? How many trophies? Anybody want to guess? Zero. (laughs) The reason I did not get any trophies is because every team I was on never came in first place and no one felt the need to give us a trophy for something we didn't achieve, right? (laughs) That's right, I have zero. (laughs) Now guess how many trophies on average our four children have each. Anybody wanna take a guess? I've counted between 30 and 40 apiece. My kids are amazing athletes. Not. They got a trophy for showing up. So Roseanne and I have been carting these 120 trophies all over the United States, and we call them up one day and says, "That's it. We're not taking them with us. This them. You're taking them. How many of your trophies would you like to keep?" True answer. They said, "You can throw all of the." participation trophies away, the only ones we wanna keep are the ones we actually earned. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, that's good, right? Number two, uh, prescription drugs, prescription drugs. Because school changed in the early years from being about experience and exploring adventure and play to sitting in a classroom for six and seven hours being still with 20 to 30 other students, it turns out most boys couldn't do it. So Dr. Sachs says we started testing kids for attention deficit disorders, and before we knew it, lots of boys were on drugs to help calm them down and make the classroom more manageable for the teacher. Now certainly, Dr. Sachs recognizes not, as not only a clinical psychologist, but also a medical doctor, that there are some kids, and particularly some boys, who need the medicine, but most of them do not. He says, The drug was more for the teacher's sanity than for the students. Looking back now, years later, researchers have discovered that these drugs are now responsible for damaging the area of the brain that stimulates drive and motivation and even creates depression years later in our young adults. Number three... Video games, I know, I had to talk about it. Video games. Now, to lower the boy's heart rate, there is some value in video games. There is the dexterity that comes. There is the return of a little bit of competition where you get rewarded uh, for winning. And there's even a slight, if done in balance, a dopamine hit, whenever you get something, it releases a happy drug in your brain that makes you feel good. But if it's not kept under control, it has a lot of devastating values. And one of the major ones is that it it disengages you from the real world. You become anti-social. It turns out relationships virtually in a video game are easier for boys to manage than real relationships. And I have seen boys today that are zombies, you come face to face with them and the lights are on, but nobody's home. Where are you? And here is a fact, I only speak the facts here, is that it turns out that girls go after alpha dogs. Did you know that? Girls want the alpha dog. And so that means statistically 66% of the women are going after 10% of the men, of the boys. And none of that 10% are boys that hang out in the basement playing video games all day. If you want the girl, go outside. Right, girls? Number four, we won't spend a lot of time here, but the next one is environmental toxins. Yeah. So I won't spend much time here, but Dr. Sachs uh, reports that this is a real issue and it boils down essentially to one single thing. Anybody older here grew up watching the graduate movie? The graduate? Anybody? No? Okay. Well, this is a very important line in the graduate movie that uncovers what that one thing is. Take a look. I know. I just want to say one word to you, just one word. Yes, sir. Are you listening? Yes, I am. Plastics. Plastics has been extremely beneficial in the economic development within America, but has been, as it turns out, very devastating to our boys, specifically plastic bottles. This wasn't the case when I was growing up. There's no way in heaven my dad was gonna buy water in a plastic <laughs> bottle, right? Some of you are older, there's no way. It's like, so that's like you know, hair tonic you know, oil. You know, it's like, no, not buying that. Um, we always drank out of like, real glasses. But most of our boys, including in my era, were raised drinking out of plastic bottles and eating food wrapped in plastic. And it turns out that when you warm up the plastic, it releases estrogen that the boys intake into their body, which causes underdevelopment. They found this uh, a while back in streams and creeks where there were plastic bottles as litter. And they found male frogs who had developed female parts and you take that over time with our boys and one writer writes the boys are losing daily a little bit of what it takes to be a boy you may have noticed this more recently but if you look at a 14 year old girl oftentimes she looks like she's 18 if you look at a 14 year old boy oftentimes he looks like he's nine enough said check it out but I wanted to save the best for the last, the most important for last, and that is this, the devaluation of masculinity in our society and dad deprivation. Dr. Sachs starts off one of his chapters by quoting a guy by the name of J.R. Moringer who writes, to be a man, a boy must see a man. Sachs writes, a boy does not naturally become a gentleman, by which I mean a man who is courteous and kind and unselfish. That behavior is not hardwired. It has to be taught. Then he goes on to ask this question. "What uh, what What do cultures that have lasted for hundreds or thousands of years have in common? And the answer, every enduring culture... Girls are led into womanhood by a community of adult women, and boys are led into manhood by a community of adult men. This community ideally starts with parents, ideally a mom and a dad, sometimes that doesn't work out, but all the research points to the fact that the biggest thing that our boys are struggling with is dad deprivation. This refers to a dad that never showed up, to a dad who left, or a dad who's in the home, but he's not showing up in the home. This is the number one cause for the boy crisis and it doesn't just fall to the fault of men who are not showing up, but rather the modern feminist movement has helped to fuel the crisis. I draw your attention to a book that's in your Westside app Notes by Luis Perry. Entitled The Case Against the Sexual Revolution. Now, here are four facts. Generally speaking, say generally speaking, generally speaking, are why our boys need good men in their lives. Number one, women create boundaries, men enforce boundaries. I heard this phrase many times as a little boy. You just wait till your dad gets home. <laughs> right? Number two, men engage in roughhousing with boys, which they desperately need. Number three, men take risk and push boys to their limits that help boys become more courageous. Courageous. Here's a picture that I found I think you might relate to. As the father sees it, (laughs) as the child sees it, as the mother sees it. And finally, number four, this is interesting. Men tease their boys as a way of training them to handle criticism it takes to be successful. Yeah. It's a, right, men? That's why we're doing it. Now listen to this from a woman's perspective. If female-to-female teasing and hazing occurs, as in mean girls... It signals that the woman being teased and hazed is on the outs, not that she's being vetted for inclusion. But if a man teases a boy or a man teases a man, it's meaning you're a part of the inner circle and men tease boys to get them prepared for the real world, which is going to criticize the heck out of them. And they got to know how to take it, Right? So women, this is challenging for you. Very seldom does a male pastor challenge women. It doesn't go well for him, right? But in this particular situation, if you can handle men training up your little boys, hide yourself in the bathroom for a couple of hours and let him turn your little boy into a man. And all the men said, amen, amen. Amen. Ooh, I'm gonna get emails over that one. Here's the bottom line, we need dads to show up like never before, to love their kids, to protect them, to honor them, to grow them up so they can become like man according to the principles of God's word. We put together a little, just a little montage of videos that shows men doing what men do for little boys and little girls, watch this. No, you're not. I got you. I got you. I got you. It'll be mental. Mental. Mental, Jay. Mental, mental. mental. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Mental. 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 That father truly showing that parent in shape, getting him right as the car is coming and hitting them, saving his son right draw drop, dropping dive over the four-foot fence, straight into the pool, saving his little boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the event that a dad is not available, we need grandparents to step in. We need uncles to step in. We need male neighbors to step in. We need Christian men to step in to surround our boys so they have a real chance at life. Can I get an amen? We're going to enter into the table of Jesus right now anchor ourselves and remind ourselves that this unshakable faith, this hope that we have is all anchored in what Jesus Christ has done for us. The bread represents the body of Jesus. The cup represents the blood of Jesus, which was shed for us. When we receive Christ, we enter into Christ, but also communion symbolizes Christ entering into us. And so I invite you as a symbol to once again take Christ in to govern and guide your life. Father, we thank you for your son who came as a baby, grew up as a boy, became a man, and out of love hung on a cross for us that we might have eternal life and abundant life now. And today, willingly, out of gratitude, we take him into our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, the body of Christ. Church, the blood of Jesus. i be standing to your feet.